Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Samuel. We'll be in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And I look forward to what the Lord has for us this morning. And we're going to look at a familiar chapter, a familiar passage of Scripture, and one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. And uh, you'll see uh, where we're at once you find the reference this morning. Uh, but I want, to, uh, I want you to use your brains this morning. That sounds almost funny to say in church, uh, doesn't it? Uh, I want you to give me your attention this morning. It will probably feel more like a Wednesday night Bible study than it does a normal Sunday morning message. Uh, but there's a truth, there's a thought that I really want you to, to grab a hold of this morning. I want you to be reminded of. I'll give you several things to consider uh, along these lines this morning, but I want you to give me uh, your attention this morning. And so if you're watching on live stream, uh, make sure I'm not on a split screen with something else and uh, give me your focus this morning as we look into uh, the Word of God. 1 Samuel 18, we're going to begin reading in verse number 45, I'm sorry, 17, in verse number 45. 1 Samuel 17, beginning with verse number 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head with from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose, and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, and took thence a stone, and slang it, and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. This morning, of course, this is a familiar story in Scripture. David and Goliath. Uh, one of the most well-known, famous Bible stories. Uh, having been privileged to grow up in church and Sunday school, I can think way back to my days of childhood and hearing of David and Goliath. I can still picture in my mind the old flannel graph uh, that was used to uh, teach those stories and David and Goliath. But uh, there are some lessons in this passage of Scripture that I want us to see this morning and that if we're not careful, we'll just on the surface look at this story. But I believe there's a, a greater truth. There's a, 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 another truth that we uh, fail to look at sometimes that I want us to grasp this morning. But look, let's look again, uh, our text verse, verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. I believe it is good for us as Christians to be reminded that as children of God, we are in a spiritual battle. The God of heavens, the holy God of Israel, 
Jehovah God whom we serve. Then there's our adversary, the evil one, Satan himself who works against God. And the Bible tells us that he is the God, little g, of this world. He is the prince and the power of the air. And so certainly we are uh, in a battle. And I, and I want us to approach that battle with a mindset. And I want, you, I want to remind you of this this morning. So we'll look at this subject in a little more detail. Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning as we once again look into the Word of God. Father, I'm so grateful that every time I open this book, there's always something something to help me, something to sustain me. Uh, when I open this book and I uh, have fears and I have doubts, uh, this book is quick to strengthen me. And Father, I pray that once again the Word of God will be a help to us, will be a reminder to us, will strengthen our walk with you. May we as your children, uh, may we look to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look on the surface of the story, and if you just look at it from a historical context, you have two nations battling with one another. The nation of Israel, seemingly, if you, as you read through the Old Testament, was always battling the Philistines. This was their nemesis. This was their uh, enemy. And they were always in battle with them. And if you just look at that, it's just two nations fighting over land. It's just two nations fighting at one another. But... It's much more than that, as you and I are aware from Scripture. This was not only a physical battle unfolding on a battlefield, but this was a spiritual battle as well. You have God's people, the people of Israel, who God is establishing His kingdom on His earth. And then you have the pagans, the Philistines, who worship their pagan gods. And it was very clear that the Philistines hated the Israelites because of their God. And yet God is establishing His people, His throne. So you have a greater conflict besides just flesh and blood. You look at the words that are used by David in the connotation in the, in the, in the uh, environment that he says these words, and so much is that spiritual application. David, as a young man, was still able to identify that this was a spiritual battle as, as along with a physical one. And I want us to understand this morning that sometimes we face physical obstacles in our life, and we look at them just as that. This is just life. This is just the way it is. This is just an Really, Christians should never use this terminology, but you'll know what I mean. It's just bad luck. It's just the way things worked out. But friend, you and I need to be reminded that we have a God in heaven who sits on His throne, and He is in complete control. And while there are some physical obstacles, some obstacles to our humanity, we must always approach them from a spiritual vantage point, a spiritual viewpoint. Uh, for example, uh, when we encounter things that limit us, we sometimes get frustrated and upset, but there's an opportunity for us to approach that in a spiritual manner. God, how do you want me to react to this? What greater good are you trying to accomplish by allowing this? Certainly all of us have been frustrated the last several weeks 
with this pandemic and, and the frustration. And, and one day it's like, well, thank God I got people trying to, 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 to uh, keep us safe. And then the next day it's, who do these people think they are? Taking our liberties away. And you go from one extreme to the other extreme. And, and through all of this, there's some physical limitations that have been placed on us. But you and I, as a child of God, we need to be reminded. We need to understand what goes on down here. The God up there, the God of the heavens, is not only well aware, but there's a greater good that He's always trying to accomplish. This morning, as we think of the battle is the Lord's, this was not just two armies. This was not just a giant, a great warrior facing a young shepherd boy. It was so much more than that. It was the pagan gods throwing cursings and blaspheming the true God, and it was a showdown between Jehovah God and the false gods. And I believe the things that we face, there's an opportunity for us to look at them in a spiritual viewpoint so that God can get the glory, so that God can do the work, so that God can use us to send a message to those that may not believe. Now, by way of uh, introduction this morning, and I'll just let you know so you can start counting down. I have three statements that I want to make in the introduction. Just three in the introduction. Then I have five points that I want to make in the message this morning, and I will move fairly quickly today. But with this idea that battle is the Lord's, let me say by way of introduction, number one, we must approach physical obstacles in a spiritual way. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you have a health limitation, it's not just a physical limitation. You need to approach that in a spiritual mindset. If you, during this time, maybe you've, you've lost employment or maybe your finances have been cut back, it's not just something that happened. You need to approach it from a spiritual mindset. How is this battle? How is what I'm going through in a spiritual way? How can God get the glory? How can God give victory? How can God help me in this that I face? Too many times Christians face things or they deal with things in their life and they just chalk it up the chance. They chalk it up, though, that's just the way life is. Friend, that's not just the way life is. God is a sovereign God. God allows things to come into our life so that He can get the glory. God puts things in our life so that He can get the glory, so that He can do a greater work. You and I, we go from one extreme to the other. We oversell our importance. And let me just remind all of us, the fact that God will use us to do anything, it, it is something that is an honor. It is a privilege. We are but dust. He don't have to use us. He can make the rocks cry out if He wants to make the rocks cry out. He, he can rewrite the, the laws of science if he, if he wants to, but He don't have to use us. And sometimes we get full of ourselves, and God doesn't have to use us. But the other extreme is because we do face obstacles, because we do have physical limitations, we just throw up our hands and say there's nothing that can be done. We place ourselves in the, in the armies that were standing on the sidelines. Well, that's just too big of an obstacle. But there is something spiritual at stake. There is a greater battle taking place. We must approach the physical obstacles in a spiritual way. If you ever hear the word cancer, it's not just a physical battle you have to fight. There's a spiritual implication as well. 
If you walk into your boss's office and he says you no longer have a job, it's not just physical obstacles, they're spiritual battles that you have to fight. If it's some other situation that you may have to deal with that now it's altered my life, it's not just life-altering in the fact that, that something may be different, somebody may have walked out on me, somebody may have broken my heart. There, is, there are spiritual implications at stake. And we must approach these physical obstacles in a spiritual way. Number two, we must be willing to fight the battle. Christian, if you are going to have a successful life in serving your Lord, and let me remind you, what God calls success is much different than this world calls success. You are going to have to fight. You are going to have to battle. You are going to have to decide that you're not going to give in, that you're not going to be overcome. And too many Christians just say, well, I can't do what I used to be able to do. So they throw up their hands and say, I'm just going to stand here on the sidelines with the rest of the army and just, and just let whatever happens, happens. Friend, you've got to be willing to battle. You've got to be willing to fight. As a church, we're going to fight. We have faced. We will face obstacles, and we have to decide. Are we just going to say that God can't get glory anymore? God can't move forward anymore? Or are we going to be, be willing to fight His battle? Each and every one of us has a battle for Him that He wants us to fight. In our story, for David, this was a battle that he was to fight. All of us, I can't fight your battle, you can't fight my battle. But we have to be willing to fight His battle. Number three, we must be willing to step out from the crowd. One of the most obvious lessons from this entire story, we didn't read the entire story this morning, but if you were to look back into verse number 32, I believe it is, you begin, and David begins to ask the question, is there not a cause? And he's going to step out. By faith, and he's going to step out and do something. Why? Because there is something greater at stake than just two armies fighting. That dude over there keeps cursing my God, and I don't like it. Those armies over there are trying to destroy the people of God, and I don't like it. I've got to do something about it. It was a greater spiritual implication that caused him to step out from the crowd. I call these sideline Christians. They stand, they're good at standing on the sidelines and pointing out the problem. They're good at standing there and talking about the hindrances. Well, churches today just can't do what they used to because of A, B, and C. We're facing this and it's never been faced before. No, Christians today, they face these obstacles. They're good sideline Christians, and they see the giant. They point out how big the giant is. They hear the words the giant saying in the back of their minds, and probably right. But they're staying on the sidelines. They're not just good at pointing out what everybody's facing. When somebody dares step off of the sidelines to say, I'm going to go shut his mouth up. Then they got to point out how foolish it is to get off of the sidelines. But friend, you and I have got to have some courage. You and I have got to say, 
is the battle, not the Lord's. You and I have got to understand that God has brought this to my doorstep, whether it's a health problem, whether it's a, a financial problem. There may be some spiritual battle that you're facing in your life. You must fight it and you must be willing. As a church, we can sit back and say, well, it's a little difficult today. We live in today. Well, we're in a pandemic. I guess we just got to put all of our dreams and plans on hold. And God knew and used God as an excuse. No, God has brought a battle. God brings situations and we are to approach them in a spiritual manner. But we must be willing to step out from the crowd. With that as our foundation in our story this morning, as we consider the battle is the Lord's, let me jump right into the outline because I've got much to get to this morning. Let me say, number one, we must fight in the name of the Lord. You cannot fight His battle in our name. You cannot fight a spiritual battle in the flesh. Notice verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. As that giant of a man, that warrior representing the armies of the Philistines with the Philistine shield, with the Philistine sword, and a Philistine spear was representing them. David now says, But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. What I mean by this and what David is saying, we must fight in the name of the Lord. He is there under God's authority. He didn't say, I come in the name of King Saul. He said, I come in the name of the Lord whose armies ye defy. This is so important. This is why we have the instruction and the admonition in the New Testament to live in the spirit, not in the flesh. You cannot fight a spiritual battle in a carnal way. We, we come under the, we, we come in the, the authority of God. As a preacher, I can illustrate this. When I, I, I know that when I step behind the pulpit and open the Word of God, I am engaging in spiritual warfare. There's nothing that, that Satan would love to do more than to stop the hearts and the minds of men and keep them from hearing the Word of God. I cannot come under my own authority. I come under His authority, which means I fight the battle in the way that He said to fight the battle. And Christian, whatever you face in your life, you've got to understand, you're a child of God. Uh, you, you, you're a, you, when you pray, you are there, uh, you are fighting the battle in the way that God would see fit. And he comes, and he doesn't do it in a carnal, fleshly way. He comes in the authority of God. If we're going to combat this world, the way to combat this world is to win people to Christ. We need to change our nation. We need to get, you know, what we need to do is quit doing everything else and win people to Christ. Oh, I'm going to do it. I've been cooped up too long. If we, would, if we would quit becoming, as Christians, political activists, and we put the same amount of energy into winning somebody to Christ, building a Sunday school class, building a bus route, it would turn this world upside down. But sadly, you don't get pats on the back when you do that. That's, we're under God's authority. I'm going to move on, number two. We find in verse number 46. This day, 
will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand? He's an arrogant little guy, isn't he? This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. I will smite thee and take thine hand from thee. But don't misinterpret what this verse says. This is, was not David's confidence in his own ability. And the second truth this morning is this. We must have a willingness to fight. The, well, the willingness to fight the spiritual battle reveals your faith. Who had the greatest faith that day on the battlefield of all the army of Israel? It was David. Because he was willing to engage the enemy. I used soul winning and winning people to Christ just a moment ago. You know, it takes great faith to do that. It takes faith. I would make the statement that it takes churches that win people to Christ have greater faith than those that don't, but that might offend somebody, so I won't make that factual scriptural statement this morning. But willingness to fight the spiritual battle reveals your faith. Those, figuratively speaking this morning, who are willing to stand on the sidelines and just let the enemy say what the enemy is going to say, don't reveal, they will actually reveal they don't have a lot of faith. And David's brashness and boldness was a revelation of the faith that he had in God. He was willing to fight. I believe he was willing to perish on that day. I believe he was willing to give his life on that day. Maybe he's talking himself into having confidence, but I really believe in my whole heart David was young enough and naive enough to still believe that God was greater than all and that God would give the victory, and it revealed his faith. And friend, when we don't shrink away from the obstacles that have been brought into our path, from the limitations that we have physically, from the limitations that we have, our limited resources, our limited ability, our limited knowledge, when we don't just throw up our hands and say, well, I guess that's it, but we're willing to face it in a spiritual manner and say, there's something greater at hand than just what I'm going through. There's something that God is doing. There's something that the enemy is doing to fight my God. How am I supposed to approach this? And I'm willing to engage the enemy I'm going to step out from the sidelines and what's going to happen is somebody's faith is going to be revealed. What God did that day by, by allowing that boisterous, braggadocious, giant, curse the armies of God, it revealed the great faith that David had. No wonder he was a man after God's own heart because he had the faith that nobody else had. Willingness to fight the spiritual battle reveals your faith. Number three. Third statement is this. In the battle, we, we should use, in the battle, use what has been proven. In the battle, use what has been proven. At the end of when verse 48 and 49, we find Scripture says David puts his hand in his bag, his shepherd's bag, pulls out a stone. We know the story. He puts the stone in that sling and he uses the stone to defeat the giant. Back in verse 39, 38, 39, we find him rejecting the armor that Saul had given him to fight the battle. 
And David says some pretty well-known words. He says, for I have not proved them. He, I've never worn armor to battle, but I have taken my sling to battle. I, I've never used the armor and the shield and all of that. I've never used it before. I've never needed it. I, that's not what I'm used to. I haven't proven them, so I'm going to fight the greatest battle I've ever fought with what has been proven. And friend, this morning... Whatever obstacle we face as a church, as God's people, we don't need to find a new way to fight the battle. We just need to use what has already been proven. If I'm going to engage in spiritual battle by facing down a physical giant whether it be my health, whether it be financial, whether it be opposition, whether it be betrayal, whatever it is, if I'm going to face and realize it's not about me, it's not about bad luck, it's not about chance, it's about a spiritual battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil, and here it is, the battle has been brought to my doorstep, then I've got to use what has been proven in battle. That's why as a church, I have no interest in the new things that are being introduced in churches. You know why? Because there's been some things that have been proven since the days the scripture was written. And I'm just going to stick with those things. And friend, this morning, if you're facing a, a, a physical obstacle, you've got to approach it in a spiritual way. Use what has been proven. I'm just going to mention two things that have been proven to you this morning. Prayer has been proven. Prayer has been proven. I believe it would shock us. I believe it would amaze us that Christians face obstacles and they don't pray about it. They face giants and they shrug their shoulders. Oh, well, this is the way it is. Or they look for something other, something different to fight the battle for them. David set a good example. Well, does the sling work before? I know it'll work. Let me just try it. You can have confidence in what has worked. See, when I face an obstacle, I, can, I know that I can just look to God and say, God, I need you to do it. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know the way you're going to do it. And we go to him in prayer. That is something that I can look back at my life and I can say, I've won victories with that. There's been a lion been defeated. There's been a bear defeated. Oh, I've had a lot of practice with this old sling out keeping the sheep. I got a lot of time to kill out there, and I used it. I used the old weapon that I had, and friend, this morning, whatever the obstacle is that we face as a people, as we face as a church, as you face as a family and as an individual, you say, well, pastor, my health isn't what it used to be, but prayer is what it's always been. Pastor, the opportunity is not what I've always had, but prayer is what it's always been. And we have to understand 
that we face physical obstacles, whether they be another, uh, whether they be an obstacle to the church or obstacle to our health or some situation, we have to approach them using the old weapons. I dare say the reason why a lot of Christians don't have victory today is because they've traded in the old weapons for something they've never proven. Not only is prayer a proven weapon, so is the Bible. God's word never returns void. This is an easy illustration for me to use, but I know we live in a day where it can't be done anymore. We live in a day where man's heart is just turned too far away from God, and certainly I don't think I would argue with the fact that man's heart is turned away from God. No, it's not the same America that your grandparents lived in. Oh, that's certainly true. It's not the same America my grandparents lived in. But this is the same book my grandparents had. And it still works. I'm not trading in for my strength, for my confidence, for my faith in God. I'm not trading the old black book in for some new modern philosophy. I'll stick with Scripture. I'll stick with the foundation that never crumbles. I'll stick with the word that is settled forever in heaven. I'll stick with the, the word of God that pierces the soul of man sharper than a two-edged sword. I'll stick with the word of God. I'm not trading it in for entertainment. I'm not trading it in for gimmicks. I'm not trading it in for, the, for, for positive thinking or, or, or for whatever this world passes along. Oh, no, it's been proven. Because I can go back to times in my life when the only thing that kept me moving forward was one simple phrase in Scripture. And it was good enough to win the battle. It was powerful enough to defeat a giant. In the battle, use what has been proven. This morning, whatever you face, don't look at those antiquated weapons as outdated, useless. We live in a modern world. Oh, we do live in a modern world. But use the weapons that have always been needed. I think that's why so many times we lose the spiritual battles because we're not using spiritual weapons. We have to use the right weapons. It goes right into number four. As we read down through verse 48 and into 49, David put his hand in the bag and took thence a stone and slang it. He's from the south. And so he's got a stone. He's got a sling. The weapons he's always used. And under the power of God, he uses that weapon and hits the giant, and he falls flat on his face. If you can picture this in your mind for a moment as David runs toward the enemy, and he runs toward the giant, and he uses that old sling, and he has just that common stone, but he's, he's done it so many times as he's getting that sling ready. His mind doesn't have to think about it. It is a reaction. The muscle memory is there, and as he releases it, God takes that stone and plants it right where he wants it. That giant falls on his face. 
So we see verse 50. Don't miss this. So David prevailed over the Philistine. David won. Can you imagine those sideline Christians standing there afraid? And there goes David. Can you see his brothers? Oh, my goodness. What is he doing? And then he gets out that sling. And lo and behold, the giant falls. David wins. Against all odds, David wins. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Before I move on, let me just back up a little bit and just reemphasize. You can win with a sling and a stone. You can win with the tools that God gives you. And smote the Philistine and slew him. Notice this next phrase. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Statement number four is this. You don't need what you think you need. Every great military tactician, warrior, who's ever won a battle, would, would have said, you've got to have a sword, at least. Don't take the armor. Okay, it don't fit. We get it. Samuel was head and shoulders above everybody, or Saul was head and shoulders above everybody. Okay, we understand. But you better at least take a sword. You cannot defeat that, that, so, that giant who has a shield, a spear, and a sword, and you've got to at least have a sword, and now David is in a dilemma. Because in verse number 46, he says, I'll smite thee, and I'll take thine head from thee. But he don't have a sword to do it. And now he approaches the giant who is flat on his face, been defeated by the old sling and the old stone. And the Bible says, but there was no sword in the hand of David. He didn't need what everybody else would have told him he needed. And friend, let me help us all this morning. You don't have to have what you think you have to have to have a victory for God. You don't have to have the wisdom somebody else has. You've just got to have God. You don't have to have the talent that somebody else has. you just got to be willing to fight the battle the way God wants you to fight the battle. You don't have to have the perfect circumstances to win the battle. You just need to grab the old sling, have a stone in your shepherd's bag, and say, this is what I've proven. This has worked every time in the past. This is a battle that I am going to engage for the Lord. It's more than just an army versus the army. It's, I'm defending. I'm fighting under the authority of God himself, and there's a battle to be fought. And it doesn't matter what that obstacle is. It doesn't matter what is coming your way, whether it's a change in your life, whether it's your health, whatever. You don't have to have it to have a victory. If David can win that battle with no sword, we don't have to have all the advantages of this world to win as a church. When is a Christian? David had no sword in his hand. Friend, let me help you. If you're watching at home, you're here this morning, you don't have to have what this world has 
to win the battle. And as a church, the moment we get enamored with how shiny the armor is of somebody else, we just have to take that which has been proven. And you don't have to have. Friend, say, well, too many excuses. Well, if, if, I had, if I still had health, then I would. You don't have to have the sword you think you have to have to have a victory. Use what you've always used. Use what you know works. Use what's been proven. Well, Pastor, if I had the story that you have, if I, if I was able to grow up as you grew up, but I didn't grow up that way, or, or I've got a past that I, that I wish I didn't have, quit using the excuse and understand you don't have to have what you think you have to have. You've just got to be willing to step out from the crowd and by faith fight the battle that God has brought your way and just say, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to fight this battle. Perish if I perish, but there's something here that God wants from me. If nothing else, I can't let him just blaspheme my God. I've got to do something for him. And lo and behold, you may find yourself approaching a 10-foot-tall giant and walking up to him with a sling in your hand, saying, what do I do now? I never thought I'd get this far. He had to get Goliath's sword to cut off his head. He didn't need the sword to kill him. You don't have to have what you think you have to have. Number five, and finally, the battle allows God to speak to others. Verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. We know how Goliath boasted, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day and the fowls of the air. I'm, yeah, all you guys back there on the hillside, I'm going to feed all y'all to the birds of the air. People had to think this kid was crazy. This day in the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Don't miss this. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That giant that rolled in unexpectedly into your life. Let's not forget David. And this is a whole other sermon in itself. Was just on the pathway of duty. When he encountered Goliath. He was just doing what dad had told him to do. Minding his own business. But then he heard the blasphemy. He heard the cursing. Then he knew there was a battle that must take place. He says, Goliath, this is what's going to happen. And this is why all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You know why you may be facing that giant? So somebody knows there's a God in heaven. So that somebody who's watching knows that his grace is sufficient. I wonder how many times we as Christians, we, 
We, we face obstacles. We deal with unfortunate circumstances. We have our giants to deal with. And we don't look at it as a, a, in a spiritual light. We don't approach it spiritually. And I wonder if our reaction, instead of approaching it as a spiritual battle and approaching the giant in a spiritual way, we are, not, we are saying with our life the opposite of what we say with our mouth. We say our God will get us through anything, but yet the way we fight the giant, we act as if God can't defeat him. We complain and we whine about what the, what the enemy is saying, but yet we're not willing to step out by faith and fight the battle for God. But David knew that once God gave the victory, everybody positioned on both sides of that valley that day, they were going to know who God was. Our testimony is important. Certainly part of our testimony is what we say, the things we do, the places we go, how we act. Certainly that part of our testimony is very, very important and has an impact. But another part of our testimony is what we do with the giants that we face. Another part of our testimony is how are we going to fight the giants that we face. And too many times I'm afraid Christians are content to just be paralyzed by fear, standing on the sidelines, defeated because of the great obstacle in their life. Let's be honest, before we're too critical... Those standing on the sidelines, they didn't have the ability to defeat Goliath. But what separated David from them is David did not have the ability, but what David had was the faith to believe that God would do it. And I think God, and I know God knew that David would be the one, but I think God would have honored anybody's faith that stepped out. And I wonder... What would happen in your home? What would happen in our community? What would happen in our nation if somebody just said, well, there is a cause. I'm just stepping out. I don't have the physical means to overcome this obstacle in my life. But there's something greater going on. There's spiritual implications to this. There's something beyond chance and just circumstance. There's a spiritual battle taking place, and if God has brought this to my doorstep, I think I still got a stone in my shepherd's back. I think I still got my sling. I think I'm going to take on that giant, and with the help of God, everybody's going to know with my life that there is a God, and He is a powerful God, and He is a God that overcomes and gives strength and grace. And friend, this morning as we close the message, what is it that you're facing in your life that you're just looking at? Well, that's just the way it is. Stop looking at it as it just happened. Don't you have to have an explanation of why it happened. But you need to approach it with the fact that there's something greater going on than just two armies on the other side of a valley, than just two warriors in a valley fighting to the death. 
No, there is a spiritual implication that will ripple through the lives of other people and even for generations to come if we will face it in a spiritual manner and say, I'm going to use my life to step out by faith. I'm going to use those old weapons. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to quit listening to the excuses of what I don't have that can't win the battle and just trust God. That our lives speak and give greater testimony than our words do. And I like to brag on God, don't you? Well, two of you in here do, but I like to brag, I like to brag on him. Man, God can do this, and God did this, and God's greater, and God's... You know, people who don't have faith probably get tired of hearing us talking about God. Oh, here comes the Christian again. Oh, God will take care of it, and God will see you through. And God will... And so many times, they're just hollow words. But then you go to the doctor. Then somebody walks out on you. Now, everything that's been said, you've got to live. And all of a sudden, the words aren't hollow anymore to the people you've spoken them to. Oh, the, the young preacher, I'll fight the devil tooth and nail. I'll never, I'll never. Oh, that's easy to say. But then when you've got to live it, an opportunity for people to say, well, there might be something to what they've all said. And David went from a fool to a hero in the eyes of all those people. What was it? He just had faith in God. Our testimony speaks to others. What is it in your life today that you're facing? Or maybe this morning as we go to the invitation... A challenge to those who are younger, who've never, you say, Pastor, I haven't faced any real battle. You will. Let me tell you how to stay faithful when they come. You decide before they come that you're going to stay faithful. As a personal testimony, as we go to the invitation this morning, one of the wisest things I ever did as a young man was get on my knees and make some promises to God. Because in the midst of looking the giant eyeball to eyeball, it's not time to evaluate. It's time to face the battle in a spiritual way. Father, I pray.